Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 15 of Jen and Matt Talk About the Bible. We're so glad to have you join us today. Uh, Today, we are going to be looking at the harvest and the laborers. Uh, Looking at Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Uh, Matt, did you want to did you want to read that today? Sure. All right. Yeah, so uh, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So that's the, that's the reading. It's like the beginning of the lectionary text. The lectionary for this coming Sunday goes, uh, well, depending on how you want to use it, it can go all the way. It continues on into chapter 10. Uh, can go all the way to verse 23 of chapter 10. So the next little bit, though, basically Jesus names the 12 um, apostles mm-hmm. and then sends them out. So with instructions to go and proclaim the kingdom, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Uh, that's like 10 verse 8. And then gives them like instructions about don't take anything with you. And the classic, like, if a town welcomes you, great. If they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. And uh, and then another classic, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So, the, like, the reading we just read is sort of the kickoff to that. And it's, um, this harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Something that I'm drawn to right away is that he sees the crowd. Um, Jesus has compassion on them. Yes. And uh, because they were harassed and helpless, uh, like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading, actually, that this idea of sheep without a shepherd, it's actually a fairly common phrase in the Hebrew Bible. Oh. Um, so it's actually used a bunch of other times. So when, when uh, Matthew uses this and his first readers read it, they're like, oh, yeah, right. Um, sheep without a shepherd. We, we know what that's all about. Um, and I think if I'm remembering right, the contexts that it's used in are usually very much in like when the people of God really needed a leader, right? Like, so it's in the context of Moses going back to Egypt, um, because they're like sheep. And actually in that context, I think it's that God does not want them to become like sheep without a shepherd. So let's raise up a shepherd to, to lead them out. Wow. Um, and then, and then David has that same image as well, that he's kind of the shepherd king. And um, so it's used in the context of rulers. Like that's not an unusual, sometimes people think, um, oh, shepherd, like if we want to lean into that image of shepherd, it's always about like the, sh- it's always about sheep. But mm-hmm. shepherd was actually, it was actually used of leaders hmm. um, in, in Israel. So they wouldn't necessarily yes it was used for that reason because they related to the image of shepherd that was already common but then by the time you get to jesus they're probably relating to it not just as lowly shepherds but also as yeah the shepherd of israel is the king that's cool yeah 
So that's kind of a that's kind of a good one. I like the I like that the words harassed are in there, harassed and helpless. Mm -hmm. People are feeling like harassed, and so they're mm -hmm. uh, needing a leader. Like they're needing somebody to come in and and uh, and lead them, right? I was talking with a friend who has been doing uh, social justice work all over the world, actually, in many different countries for the past like ten years. And we were chatting and about, you know, how do I, how do, how do I help to help in this whole um, social justice movement um, with race and as a, as a leader in the church and, and having just a really good coaching moment with her. And she just was very grateful that she's like, I have been doing this work for 10 years um, and I'm really grateful that other people are getting on board and we really, we, we need more laborers. Um, so this works really well for yeah, our yeah. time. That's for sure. Yeah. So that brings us to the, the next bit, right? So he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Um, mm -hmm. So like, what, <laughs> what is Jesus talking about? Like the usual question, what is he talking about? Yeah. So like, what does he mean by, the harvest, what is that even? Um, so again, I went to do some reading about that earlier today. Um, <laughs> yeah. What did you find? Well, harvest is kind of a weird image for us. Like, I always took this text to sort of just mean Jesus is just basically saying to his disciples, like, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of people out there who don't really know about Jesus and don't know about God in the way that they're supposed yeah. to. So off you go. And like, um, like, I don't know, harvest is like this collection image. Like it's, you know, a gathering image, right? So it's harvest, kind of like yeah. the same thing as like, go and I will make you fish for people. Um, it's a, like a gathering in of the fish, but I've always kind of ha felt uneasy with that image. Because I kind of feel like, well, is that what Jesus actually wants his disciples to do is to go out and like catch people or like, I don't know. It just seems sort of like, I don't know. Like we're Not trying quite to, right. yeah. Like, are we trying to like, is that what we're trying to do? Like, it doesn't actually, like, are we just trying to like get a good harvest? Like, are we just trying to get enough people into the harvest bin for God? Like. That, like that just seems like, i just pictured actually... the yellow winnipeg harvest bins <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah 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 but like is that you know what i mean like is it just yeah and then the hard thing about this is like so there's that sort of maybe it's not negative but it sort of just seems a little bit like well is that what christianity is about is just trying to find more converts like but the harvest image is a little harder too because in the hebrew bible it has two like there are there are two kind of primary ways of understanding that image, I think. And one is really uh, positive. So like thinking about actual harvest time, like in an agrarian society, like where like their culture is built around uh, farming, right? Like there's, yeah. that's kind of what they do. Um, and so harvest is like this huge celebration. Like, yeah. this is so great. This is time of joy. Like, oh, so great. Like it's harvest time and, and we've got plenty and all of this great stuff. And there's festivals built around the, the agrarian calendar. Like that's when the Jewish festivals are. And one of them is like at harvest and the first fruits festival is like, this is so great. But then the prophets use harvest imagery to talk about the last judgment. 
<laughs> and and basically have like things like the Lord has his sickle in his hand and he's going to just cut every cut down the and he's going to throw the grapes into the wine press of his wrath and there's going to be blood that's going to pour out of the wine press. So cool. Do you have like these two not they're not even opposite. They're just kind of telling different narratives like yeah um but then when jesus uses harvest imagery it's like well what is he drawing on because he actually seems to be drawing on the second one like he seems to be drawing on the like this is an end times kind of judgment thing so um yeah like the harvest is coming and that's gonna mean trouble so that's like that's kind of scary when you think about the actual image and how it's used in scripture. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to like, what more does he kind of say about this? And he doesn't exactly say anything specifically about that, but he does no. after then at chapter 10, um, after naming the 12 and calling them apostles, he then gives them the instructions of like, okay go out into the harvest, but this is like what you're going to do. Um, right. And yeah, I would say it kind of links with that because he says, you know, where is it about the. Yeah. It's like the towns that the don't judgment. Welcome, right. So there's towns that don't welcome. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be more bearable for some yeah. more than on the, than on the day of judgment for that town. Yeah. So, which is, which is also kind of terrifying. Um, so I like I think what do you do with all of that? Uh that's a challenge. I think um what I kind of I don't I don't like ignoring that because I think lots of people just kind of go, well, whatever, like let's just kind of gloss over all of that. Um but I do think that there is kind of this double approach to the harvest as as an image. So in Matthew 13 uh jesus uh so a couple of chapters later jesus has like this whole section of parables and he uses like agricultural imagery in those parables and one of those is the parable of the weeds so the weeds are growing like the enemy an enemy goes and plants weeds along with all of the wheat all of the good crops and the workers are saying oh should we go pull all those up and the owner of the field is saying, mm, no, that's not really going to work. We really just have to wait until harvest and then pull everything up. And then we'll separate out the weeds and the wheat and we'll burn off the weeds and then we'll have the good, the good crops. So, so what's interesting is that in that, like when you actually think of it in terms of like what's actually happening in a harvest, well, you do have the big celebration because now we've got, Hey, we've, we finally got all the good crops here. Isn't that awesome? But there's also the other side of it, which is we have to sort out all the stuff that that is no good. And so it's huh. just it's just gone. Um, and this is like a primary image for talking about like the judgment. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't really undo much, but but Jesus talks about it. He doesn't avoid that. Um, nope. so I guess like the question I want to ask from that is then like, what is, 
what is our response or our responsibility? Like this might get to, we first have like, okay, Jesus has compassion. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So he's compassionate towards the crowds. And then his response is then to say to them, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are Mm. few. And so now let's send out laborers into his harvest. Actually, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest um, or beseech, actually, not just ask, but beseech or pray uh, to the Lord of the harvest that uh, to send out laborers into the harvest. So like there's different components here. So understanding the image of the harvest is one thing, but then we have to then go, well, what does it actually mean to be a laborer sent out into the harvest like what is that huh well and i wonder is that helpful i find a little bit of comfort in thinking of being the laborer who just is like the collecting everything and that um it's you know the work of God to be doing the sorting at the end. <laughs> right. Like if we draw on that image from chapter 13, that's encouraging to me. That's a little more comfortable. Um, is, is that what Jesus is saying here? Um, I don't know. Maybe. And Maybe. I, like, I wonder too, it's like, okay, the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. So what happens if there's like not enough laborers? Like that's, like, does that just mean like you lose a whole bunch of the harvest? Because I don't actually think that. Like, I I feel like God is up to things in the world and God is at work in the world. And then we get to enter into what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there is a job for us to do. It's just, it's hard to sort out like what, what is that? And then... I mean, then Jesus goes on to give instructions to to the twelve. Um, yeah, like I I wonder too about like in this instance too. Like, are they are they um, going out into the harvest? And is it like is it actually harvest time? Like, is Jesus talking about like, hey, the harvest is right now, as in like back when he was walking around on earth? Or is he saying, Hmm. like, we can see that we are going to have a plentiful harvest here. Like, awesome. Celebration. But Hmm. there's actually a a danger here. Like, there's a danger that because we have so few workers, we actually need more workers because, like, the weeds could really encroach here. Like, there's, there's actually work to do. It's not that you just plant and then sit around. And then harp and then harp uh. comes and everything works out fine. Um, you know, like if we lean further into that actual image, the, the actual image itself and not so much how it's used in the tradition, but, but if we lean into that and kind of go, well, yeah. are the workers actually out there harvesting? Because I mean, there's other places in scripture where it seems to say that the angels are the harvesters or that God himself is the, is the, is the one who has the sickle. Who, right. You know, but maybe the workers in this stage are like, yeah, we got to keep working so that, yeah, let's contribute to that harvest being plentiful where we like as much as possible, let's have as much good crop as we can. 
it seems like Jesus has already been doing this work of like what a labor, maybe this is it, like what a labor is to do is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. So he's just like curing everybody, healing everybody. Um, and then when he saw the crowd, so he's already kind of done some of this work and now there's these crowds and he's like, Oh, there are so many more that need healing and um, curing from disease and sickness. All right. Well, I'm going to send y'all. So now you're the apostles to go and be equipped with my spirit to do this work. And so the work is to proclaim the good news and to heal. Might that be what the good news is, is that Jesus has sent people to do this. He's sending us to do this. Um, yeah. Yes. Maybe. I, yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> but I go think ahead, it's important for us to have compassion and be like Jesus in it and, and not be condemning. Um, Cause I think like I've heard of different um, faith traditions over the years, having a very different, like, perspective of how they approach things. And, um, I'd like to, I'd like to just focus on how Jesus approaches it being compassionate. Yeah. Like, I think part of, part of me is actually a reaction to that, to like certain traditions that are kind of like the, like the turn or burn, like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> where, and actually what ends up happening for lots of, lots of Christians, I think, well-meaning, uh, a lot of the time is that actually they make they make this about like, okay, someone has to now, what needs to happen is more people need to hear about Jesus so that a bunch of those people declare that they believe in Jesus. So then they escape that wrathful judgment that like, yeah. that's the equation that has been set up for them. But I think what yeah. I hear you saying is, that's actually not the equation that Jesus has set up here in this text, mm -hmm. right? Like there's nothing here saying, mm, okay, I'm going to send you out to the town so that you can tell people that they better believe in me or there's judgment coming for them where they're actually sent out and to do the same ministry that Jesus has been doing, which is healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. And that's yeah. always framed as good news I also think that something that's kind of interesting uh, in this text is that they are told to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse, raise the dead. Like that's, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a funny, <laughs> Jesus commissions them. By the way, go and raise the dead. Like if you can just do that feel free. Okay. So I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I have insight to that though, because I have had personal times where I have felt like I am dead. And I'm also going to be preaching in a couple of weeks on a text where we are dead to sin and alive in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is some truth about bringing people back to life. And that doesn't always mean if our bodies have physically died, I, I kind of want to say that. Right. Sure. So maybe, maybe, yeah. Like, I think if we take it at face value, that seems wildly crazy to us um but if we think of it in spiritual terms that actually makes a ton of sense to me yeah sure i yeah i'm with you i also think like if we take the Could other things the at, i think if we take the other things at face value it also seems ludicrous but um well that's true too <laughs> you know so uh but what i was going to say before i got sort of thrown off by raise the dead in the middle of this sentence is that um, 
cure, even if you take that out for a moment, cure the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Um, Jesus is like, I, and I write about this in my, in my book, uh, let God send upcoming book. Um, Jesus gives them authority in an area where they will encounter some of the most vulnerable people of their society. So when you think about who it is that are, when you look at who's described as having demons or having uh, evil spirits in the, in the gospel stories, they're always people who have been like removed from their communities because people are terrified of them or people who have had to be locked up or chained up or whatever. Um, and then you've got the sick and especially like lepers kind of get this special place in the story because leprosy was contagious and was also considered like if you have leprosy you're unclean so you have to be outside of the community and jesus specifically says okay go to those people and when he's talking about healing he's meaning like go and lay your hands on them to heal them so you're taking a massive risk of like i'm gonna go lay my hands on somebody who has like a super contagious skin disease which the entire community has said they're unclean and no one should go near them. And Jesus is sending his disciples to go and do that because he's been doing it. So they've seen him do it. Um, and it's miraculous and amazing, but it's sort of putting his followers on the outside of what the community would, would say. Right. Um, so I find that kind of fascinating because when Jesus is looking at like, um, the harvest or he's looking at like the crowds with compassion a question we might ask is who is jesus seeing Mm. and who are we seeing so like who are we being sent to essentially like are we being sent to those who like and, and then that might color like how how we understand what we're being sent to do as well right like we're not like, am I being sent to someone who's pretty much exactly like me, but maybe disagrees with me a little bit about God or saying like, oh, I don't really think God exists. And am I being sent to them to try to be like, oh, I'm going to try to convince you so that you get rescued from some end time disaster? Or am I being sent to someone who's actually probably quite different than me and is really in a, in a difficult circumstance personally or in a difficult, challenging physical circumstance where I am offering some kind of opportunity to encounter this one who has this infinite amount of love and grace for them. Like that's a really different kind of thing that we might be talking about. Well, this all I can, I'm just like, I'm amazed at this bringing them out. Like they, these people who are sick or are lepers, they have literally been placed outside of the community and Jesus is like, bring them back in because they have a place here. Yeah. 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 I also think it's fascinating. uh, Like we've been talking for a while and it's mostly me just blabbing on. Um, I'm here for it. I am learning. It's good. It's good. (laughs) But I'm kind of fascinated as well by like the beginning of chapter 10 where Jesus names the apostles. This is the only place in Matthew where the word apostle is used, which is, which is really interesting. So he actually switches from uh, disciples to apostles really swiftly here. And apostles means sent ones. That's what the word apostle means. 
And I love that he actually names them and then has like these tiny little brief uh, commentaries that are that are put in here about, I think, about two of them. Um, well, kind of like, you know, Sons of Zebedee and Brother John and oh, that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but Matthew, the tax collector. Let's make a point of that, everybody. So we've got a, one of yep. those horrible tax collector people amongst the apostles. Um, <laughs> we liked tax collectors. And then Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Isn't that great? It's incredible, actually. Like, it's great that obviously Jesus sent them, but great also that Matthew points out, Matthew points this out. Um, There's the tax collector and there's also the one who betrays him who got sent out to do this work. Yep. Like we're and you all... know what I I I feel like um, I'm just hearing that the the takeaway is for us to recognize that God and the Spirit of God will work through anything and bring about good news and redemption in this world. Can we talk about church decline for a second? Sure. <laughs> Left field. Um. So yeah. Like, okay, is is Jesus saying the harvest is like this is a totally different way of thinking about the harvest is plentiful, okay? Like, how do we read the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few in like post Christendom in North America, Europe, churches churches majorly in decline, and it seems kind of like. I don't know. Like our churches, like churches are closing all over the place and people are pretty discouraged about that kind of thing. Um, but like, I don't know. Does this apply to that? Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, like, I definitely have a different viewpoint about, like, what the Spirit is up to. And I, I think that the Spirit is doing some pretty cool things in engaging people. And especially if we look like the underground church or church that's thriving in other nations um, where... Well, sure. You know, like, so so it's, it's like that for us here in North America and Europe. Um, but maybe there's something to be said about how we've placed so much value on the institutionalization of a building and a right. certain set way that it has to be done. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is what you're looking for <laughs> here, but no, but actually it's that. making me think of that because I'm wondering if like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think Jesus later, actually, he, when he sends them, at least the way Matthew tells it, he specifically tells them, don't go into Gentile territory. Don't go into the Samaritan territory. And he's not saying like, don't ever do that. He's just saying like, for now on this mission, just go to what he calls the lost sheep of Israel, of the house of Israel. But he's also said, okay, the laborers are few, but isn't everybody already in the covenant? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, They don't know about Jesus yet. Fine. But like they've got rabbis all over the place. They've got like, everyone's already memorizing scripture. Um, everybody's already 
worshiping in their families, making their pilgrimages to Jerusalem for the for the big festivals. They've got the priesthood. They're under mm. Roman occupation. Things are not great for them, but religiously, mm. they kind of have all the like the structure is there. And yeah. I wonder if like I don't know, kind of what you're saying, like we might look around and go, well, the structure might be crumbling, but actually we're we're looking in the wrong place to perceive the plentiful harvest, not for the gain. Like, and I think we often see like the harvest as a gain for, for us. Like the yeah. gain is for the church. Yeah. But it's, but that's not, not the person. The, the, the church is the laborers. Right. We're not, right. The, we, we get, we right, get right. the blessing of celebrating with the harvest, like later on. Right. But we are but, the laborers. So, but the, but the church yeah, buildings are not like as though they're not like grain silos, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the church, right. Like, it's not like, oh, let's send people out so that they can oh, collect some more people to get them into uh -huh. the, into the silo to to sit here oh that's an image you definitely need to talk about on sunday that's maybe good. That's but if we behave like that right though right yes 100 percent. i think that's brilliant i would like to see an interesting piece of art done with that commentary okay. <laughs> that'd be very cool <laughs> so what is it instead like what's the other so the buildings aren't grain grain silos like that's not like the buildings, our church buildings don't exist in order to like fill them with more no, people. But, okay, so if we're the laborers, what we are being called to do is to bring healing is we are being called to bring the people who are placed on the outside to the inside. Uh, are we? Healing. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Right. And I guess are our church communities as they are and our buildings as they are, if you're going to use the buildings, are they the are they the representative of the inside? Like, is that what we're bringing people into? No, I hope not. Right. I feel so, gross. So what are we inviting people into then? Right? Jesus. <laughs> Good. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah. going to say Jesus. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And and I would think that like our community and our, our buildings are are part of the equipping of, of the workers. So like Jesus has times when he's just with his closest disciples where yeah. he's like trying to help them understand and learn and then there are times when he sends them out but it's interesting that he doesn't like you're right he doesn't send them out to say oh make sure you go around to all the towns and figure out how to get them to you know show up at the big giant rally that i'm holding in jerusalem next week Yes. Um, like it's not a promotional, attractional kind of like trying to figure out how to get people to come to me. It's more go out there and proclaim the kingdom among them and heal people. And there's this encounter that they'll have with the spirit of God. Like a, that is an encounter with Jesus. We know it's an encounter with Jesus, but, um, but it's not sort of like, oh yeah, like go out to get people. Um, it's okay. We have few workers. The labors are few. So, and it's back to the prayer thing, right? Like I always find it interesting in this text where Jesus doesn't say the harvest is plentiful ah, and the workers are few. Wow. You got a lot of work to do. We better come up with an amazing strategic plan and like 
figure out like how are we even going to do this with the limited resources we have he just puts just... it on his disciples to say pray yeah. that the lord of the harvest is going to send workers out you're, you're some of those yeah. but you're just some of those totally and i just get this image of like the impact like the ripple impact of uh doing that work of the laborer bringing healing and um, to one person in a community and their testimony, how that will bring healing to other people in the community. So I wonder if there is a little bit of that, that like this ripple effect of, of how things can happen. Um, I mean, like, I believe that that's true because I believe the spirit just will do what the spirit wants to do. Um, and I'm, I'm really moving into a season of like, I just want to give space for the spirit and keep pointing to the spirit. Um, because I feel like we've been getting things not quite right a lot of the time as the church globally. Um, so I, I'm, I'm here to learn, like, what do we need to do? So pray for the laborers. Pray. Yeah. Um, Amen. I think it's Luke. Uh, is it 10? 10. Is it 10 too? Is it also, is it 10 also Luke 10? Yeah, it's 10 02, I, so. I believe. 1002. I think so. That, that sounds familiar. That so that's another thing. If people are not aware, there's like a little movement. Um, I know this is in like part of cyclical networks, uh, but there's a movement to pray, to do, to make this your prayer. So, uh, so it's a church planting movement that, that does this. Um, yeah, it is. So it's Luke 10 verse two. And so at 10 02 every day, if you want to do it twice a day, like at morning and evening, um, mm -hmm. you pray Luke 10 02, which is, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So it's the parallel story. Um, there it's in the context of the mission of the 70 where Jesus sends out 70. Um, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people who set an alarm on their phones to go off at 10.02 to remind them yeah. to pray that prayer every day. So if people want Super to do that, cool. can. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up and uh, it's been a good conversation. Absolutely. You guys have a great week and be blessed. We will see you next week. All right. Okay. So just, you know, Ignore some of the other things I said earlier. He, <laughs> you know what? I'm just, can you edit this out? Sorry. <laughs> I'm going uh, to edit so much out of this I thing. I'm sorry, Matt. So good. <laughs> sorry. Just, yeah. Like I just was like, just stop. We don't need to go there at all. This is not what our text is actually about. This is also 32 um, minutes long. I know, I know, and we had that weird delay, so it's all good. <laughs> no, um, like the 32 is like, that's recording time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, because you paused it.